This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee's Summit. Jason, our friends at Budget Blinds are some of my favorite community supporters. They are spectacular. They've been doing this stuff for three generations of local ownership. And, and they did last week. Now we're past it. But we're going we're gonna to put a big thank you out to all the people in the city who came and participated in their donations for Lee's Summit Social Services got their picture taken with the big guy and, and made that event a smashing success if we were to judge social media at all. Well, I think that's our job. We do judge them. And it was such a big success that our friends at Budget Blinds and our friend over at KC Communications and Media Matters, we've all three decided we're going to do the event next year. Already scheduled. Santa will come back next year. You mean we get to have Christmas again in 2019? Yes. Official decision, Christmas in 2019 while we're at it. Thank you, Budget Blinds, and thank you, Santa. It was a great event. Thank you, guys. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who wants a hippopotamus for Christmas, and only... A hippopotamus will do. It's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to the Summit. If I had a singing voice, I would have chimed in, but I'd like to keep the three listeners we have. You notice I did that in a in in a very very old white man hip hop style, and uh... <laughs> well, you know, one of my favorite recording artists, William Shatner, king of the spoken word album. He is the king. Uh, so, Link to Lee Summit is the source for all the news you need about this very fine city and our unofficial sponsor today is holiday cheer and believe me i think i've sold out of it no it's it's the holiday time i'm happy i've got enough well, you know, cheer to make up for your grinchness i am I like my wife always pushing me to like you need a holiday thing or whatever you want and i'm like she we get a holiday decorated, you know, stocking for the thing. And she's like, what do you want your decorated? I'm like, I want the Grinch on it. And she's like, no, you cannot have the Grinch on it. I'm like, I want the Grinch on it. And she says no. And then she wonders why I'm mad at Christmas time. I don't know. I just want the Grinch. So there we are. So I am a little Grinchy. But Nick has all the cheer. And we're going to let Nick's cheer overwhelm my Grinchiness and bring a positive spin to you, the listener. Come to our house. We have lots of Santas everywhere. And Christmas cheer for everyone. Jason, it's Christmas time. A lot going on. I just want to do one quick reminder of another event coming up this week, a special event December 20th, that's Thursday, at Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit. Get jazzed. It's a benefit concert for Prodeo, Casa, and Lee Summit Social Services. It's got more than 20 music teachers, and this is, I think, a really cool thing. So, a whole bunch of music teachers from all around the R7 school district have come together and formed what they're calling the Lee Summit Jazz Orchestra, and they're going to be playing. So that's like a special treat for you and, and maybe one of your – if you have a young person with you, they can go and they can see their music teacher in a completely different environment, which was uh, when I was a kid was always really, really off, like offsetting and upsetting and weird. But now, like in this community – the teachers are around so much more like just out in the public and what have you that I don't know if it's as weird. It's actually kind of cool for a lot of the kids. Um, so you can come, you can see that Lee Summit Jazz Orchestra, give a little money, make a little benefit for Prodeo, Casa, and Lee Summit Social Services. Go to Facebook, go to the Bridge Space event page for Get Jazzed on Facebook. There's a link to buy your tickets there. Jason, 
We did this a couple weeks ago. We're going to do it again. We're kind of flipping the script a little bit this week. We'll be back on Friday again to talk a little bit about some issues with the centering around Lee Summit R7 School District and also our favorite soap opera as the council turns. But today, we're going to continue a conversation about some people in our community, people who have some needs. We started a couple weeks ago with a nice conversation with Matt Sanning from Lee Summit Social Services. This week, we brought in Chief Rick Paschal from the Lee Summit Fire Department and two of his assistant chiefs, Jim Eden and Dan Manley. And we talked to them a little bit about, about how they respond when they, they come across people, people of need, at-risk people in the course of their jobs and what they do and maybe what, what they can do and how we as a community can, can be a little bit better. Right. In addition to all of that good stuff, we, I think you can learn a little bit more and get a better picture of the, the breadth of, of places that the fire department intersects with in our city and how they deal with people in their emergency response, both fire and medical and, and all the stuff they think about and they see and do, and then all the connections that they make with other parts of the community when they meet people. And honestly, when they go out on a call, they're almost always meeting someone in need of something. Um, and sometimes it's a, it's a more systemic need, like someone who's homeless or, or suffering from some sort of long-term medical condition or what have you. And sometimes it's just, you know, I got a cat in the tree or my kitchen burned down or something like that. So uh, they are, those are equivalent, right? Cat in the tree and the kitchen burned down. Yeah. Yeah. I figure those are the same. So anyway, I think it was really educational, not only on the front of what they do in terms of dealing with meeting with those populations in need, but also kind of giving people a picture of, of the breadth of the stuff that the fire department does. I was really happy with how this conversation turned out. I wasn't going into it. I wasn't quite sure where all we could go because I didn't know all of the things that they do and how they how they meet and interact with people on these these calls. There's just more to it than we thought. So with that said, here's our conversation. Well, I think right now when you look at the positions in the department, uh, my role as Assistant Chief of Training and Emergency Medical Services has the responsibility to be able to evaluate those trends in the organization. The challenge is, is that we have many competing priorities within the organization. There's a program called Community Paramedicine that uh, is now uh, a new trend in, in providing service delivery in communities across the country. Uh, we've been working to try and implement such a program within our department. We were able to provide training to a couple of our members so that they were able to become certified as community paramedics uh, in our uh, state and then they can help to identify ways to address needs we're here with Chief Rick Paschal, Assistant Chief Jim Eden, and Assistant Chief Dan Manley of the Lee Summit Fire Department. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Doing well. Awesome. Thanks for having us. All right. So there are three of us, so we have to. I'm going to set the rules out. I'm going to try to look at you or point. One of us will point if we, we have somewhere. Otherwise, just go forth with your answer, and, and we'll... Uh, We'll work our way there. So this is a, we wanted to continue our conversation um, that we've been having on the podcast um, about 
the the needy and the homeless population here in Lee Summit and how that interacts with that. And we reached out to to Jim uh, to start to help us with this conversation as far as the fire department goes. So let's just take the Dan. I'll start with you um, since you're in in order of the thing. I'm going to go here. Let's um, when you are. When you get a call and you're you're gonna head out and you're gonna deal with someone who is a homeless uh, person, um, are there what what kind of things do you see or are special or issues that that pop up as as you guys go out there and what are you what are you looking for and having to deal with? Well, I think our personnel when they respond on incidents in the community, they're always vigilant about what are the needs of the people that we're serving, and so if they identify a citizen that's at risk or has a need in the community, then what they do is they try and find a way to help meet that need, and we've got mechanisms in place within the community to help provide that support. One of those uh, mechanisms is working with our nonprofit organizations in the community, like Lee Summit Social Services or. Uh, some of the other uh, nonprofits in the community, they're able to help provide some resources to help support these individuals. If the individual's truly homeless, then what we do is we work with partners like the Red Cross and other agencies to be able to try and find some short-term housing support for them. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody's safe in the community, and so uh, that that's an example of how we help provide that support. Yeah, what other organizations... Are, are out there. I know you mentioned you mentioned Lee Summit so, Social Services, but I, I'm trying to get kind of a scope of what what services are available for those people. And and, and I'll ask I'll ask Eden or or Patial to kind of jump in here too, so that they can get a little time on the mic as well. But well, I, I think uh, uh, we always have the uh, Red Cross, Salvation Army, the regular uh, organizations that people think about when uh, someone needs help. There's there also is uh, uh, Lee Summit uh, Firefighter. Uh, charities that um, can help out on special special issues like that what what when you say at risk when you say special issues what what are what are we talking about what can you can you paint that that picture for us of, of, of what these needs are well, it, it's variable in the community depending on the, the family uh, or the individual that may need assistance. We, we see people that have uh, uh, recently lost a job, uh, have no uh, savings account or any resources to be able to sustain uh, their livelihood and truly need some assistance to be able to get through until they can get back on their feet again. And, uh, you know, we have examples of that when we work with the social workers that each of the nonprofits, they have mechanisms in place to help provide support for those individuals, whether it may be short-term housing or it may be uh, the uh, uh, need to provide some food or some assistance for the family. There's mechanisms to be able to do that. The great thing about Lee Summit, it's a community of support. We have so many different programs and groups that are there and available to help. Uh, the faith-based organizations in the community have pantries to help provide support. They have mechanisms to uh, be able to help support the family that may need some housing uh, assistance uh, short term. Uh, so there, there's a variety of programs that are available to be able to say that uh, uh, the same level of support is needed for each individual uh, wouldn't be accurate just because each situation is unique and there may be resources that one family or one individual may need and others may not need the same level of support. Assistant Chief Eden, can you tell us a little bit about about your process? How 
I mean, your calls are are fire or medical. I mean, that's that's correct. So when when you respond to a call, how are how are you evaluating what you see, and then and, and then assessing you know the needs to provide? I guess, I guess kind of give us kind of an example of, of what that's like. I, nobody nobody calls you and says you know you're not the place that someone calls when they need a you know food because uh, you're not you know that's not there. But obviously that that is a piece of the the process when you get there. So how do you make those decisions? The fire department's a little unique. Whenever someone has a need and they don't know who to call, uh, typically we get called. Uh, As Nick mentioned earlier, a lot of our calls are either medical or fire, but we also run what we call service calls. Uh, People needing assistance, just getting up off the floor or out of a chair or to a doctor's office. Um, When our crews go into those calls, they're assessing the situation that they're in at that time and assessing assessing the situation of the patient or the, the people involved. They go ahead and provide the service, but they may be able to gather that information, reach out then to Assistant Chief Manley if it's a uh, senior citizen that may need additional assistance, and we can put them into the system and try to get assistance for those particular people. If it's a fire call, uh, anytime that we have a significant event inside of a structure, we provide uh, assistance through the American Red Cross. We offer it to the victims of that particular event. It's up to them whether they want to accept it or not. Uh, That assistance is available even several days after the fact. Uh, Lee Summit's very fortunate in the fact that we have a great community as far as being able to provide assistance, well, as Chief Manley said, through faith-based organizations, through our social services groups such as Coldwater and Lee Summit Social Services, and then just family and, and community. So, uh, Chief Hazel, I'm going to ask you, and, and then you can answer it and then pass off anything you don't want to anybody else, but uh, our, our needy populations, now you, you mentioned, y'all mentioned, you know, homeless, seniors, people who have just had a, a fire or a traumatic event or a traumatic health event. Um, how do our, our, I think, our most vulnerable and needy populations differ in the way that their calls to you or perhaps some of the things that happen in them that cause fires or, or other things? So how are there special sort of things that you know when you're getting a call to someone who may be of a higher need um, in terms of age or health or financial status? Is there anything different about those calls um, that that you see higher risks that they run or things of that nature? Um, not necessarily. When when we we receive a call for help, uh, we we get some information prior to uh, responding to the call. However, um, you know our, our our crews do a great job of handling the situation as they arrive, um, and that's that's the biggest part is. Once we get there, whatever the issue is, stabilize the incident and then uh, go from there as far as what help that uh, the citizen needs. Well, that's good. I'd say you answered my question. So see, when we ask questions we don't know the answer to. A good example of that is if we respond to a call on a carbon monoxide alarm going off or someone not feeling well and we get there and we see that they're using alternative forms of heat, such as the stove or fossil-fueled uh, heat-providing devices that are not appropriate for the occupancy. I car engines are worm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a good plan. Um, 
then we can identify those folks because they've not been able to pay their bills that they're having to come up with some other way of keeping their home warm. And those are the type of people that we can get into the system and try to get them assistance, either to find another place to live or assistance in getting their utilities turned back on. Well, now that we've kind of painted that, that, that picture of who the people are and what you, what you can do, I want to I circle around to, I think, what we started with, with Matt Sanning, which was what conversations should we have and how, how can we as a community be better? How can, how can we provide better services? How can those that have services be better available for you? One of the things that Matt Sanning said he was hoping would come out of all this was, was maybe a better playbook a better manual for all of the different organizations for you and, and, and even for them of, of what they can do when these needs arrive, when someone comes across somebody in need. So, so this is a very open-ended question. How can we be better? I, I'll, I'd like to answer that. I think with anything uh, within the city, within our department, it all comes down to communication. I feel that's the biggest part is the communication. Uh, letting people know what services are out there, letting uh, the services know the people in need. Um, I, I, I really feel that communication on, on any kind of issue is the most important thing that we anybody can improve on. I Just to add to that, I think that the collaboration and coordination is helpful in that process as well. Um, the, as Chief mentioned, you know, Communication is important because as we work together, we become friends in the community supporting one another, and we know who to reach out to when we have an incident or an issue where we need to gather some support or assistance for an individual. And then if we um, are able to tie those people together in a network, that helps us improve service delivery throughout the community. So ways that we can improve that, we have many systems in place currently uh, through the city. We have the Human Services Advisory Board, the Health Education Advisory Board. These are groups that have an opportunity to help provide support and some of that coordination uh, that we talk about in improving our community uh, services. I think the other is just continuing to reevaluate where we're at as a community because that reevaluation allows us to identify gaps and opportunities to improve service delivery. Well, let's ask that very question then. Are, I mean, you guys obviously are the ones that are out there and, and are seeing these needs and, and helping provide these services. Are there any gaps that we as a community have right now and, and could work on, you know, maybe that bring to light so that we can focus on and filling those gaps as best we can? Jim, do you, or Dan, either one? I think just getting the information out to everyone. Uh, Lee Summit has, is what most people consider to be a very fluent community and it's not something that someone likes to talk about potentially or is ashamed to come forward. There are so many things in this community that we don't like to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) What I mean by that is that there's a pride factor as far as, you know, you can live in a very nice home and and need assistance, and that's fine. Uh, It's just knowing where to go to get that assistance and that it is okay. Everybody has tough times, and being able to know where to go to get that assistance is important. I think there are a lot of agencies out there that want to provide assistance, some of them faith-based, some of them just charitable organizations, that people don't know they exist. And I think uh, a clearinghouse or a central location for those folks to go and give their information so that if someone does come forward and needs assistance, we can point them in the right direction is important. Awesome. I nominate Nick to be that clearinghouse. So 
Why, why am I always the one you nominate? Because you're right there across the table. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Well, well, let's get – and I realize that I might be setting you guys up, and, and so I apologize in advance. But are there services that are missing? Are, are there services that as you've gone – as you've responded to a call and maybe we don't have but should or could? I can try that. Um, we run into people occasionally that don't want assistance. But yet they're in a situation that they're out in the cold it's, and they're just in a bad spot. How do you get those people to accept help? I think that's kind of a challenge we run into occasionally. And then it becomes a situation of us as the fire department and the police department having to watch those folks just to make sure that they're okay. We can't force them to go anywhere. Uh, they are, are still able to make those decisions on their own, but we still are concerned for their safety. And, and along the lines, same lines of that is is uh, uh, the mental uh, the mental health aspect of things. Um, people who don't want help, um, getting them hooked up with somebody that that can help on the mental health end of things, I guess, is is probably uh, something that. Uh, could probably be better in this community. Awesome. Well, that, thank you guys for answering those questions. Well, I, I, I'm actually going to follow follow Chief up with with you, Assistant Chief Manley. Um, you're on a community task force uh, discussing mental health. Your part in that task force, though, is, is, from the first responder side of things, what are you trying to provide, I guess, to that group as, as that group tries to develop maybe some of those tools that, that Chief was just talking about? I think the role that I have within that task force is to be able to give awareness of a different perspective and dealing with issues that occur in our community. As first responders, we see a different aspect of the community in our daily uh response and activities within the organization and so being able to quantify how we respond to different events resources that may be needed uh, and then how we can work to improve that similar to our discussion today uh, if we can improve communication and coordination it improves service delivery throughout the community my role in that group is to be the dumb guy as you guys all talk you know really high level and jargon that I don't understand. I think it's really nice of the, that group to bring you in for your strength. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much like this show, Much just like this the dummy with a microphone. Uh-huh. Maybe this is a good opportunity then to, to do some quantifying. You know, how, how often is the fire department in Lee Summit responding to calls where there are people with, with these kind of needs, where, whether it's homeless, whether it's financial need? How often does that happen in our community? Well, the, the fire department, we're on pace to run 10,700 calls this year. On an average year, we're running probably around 700 calls that we refer to as citizen assist calls in the community. This could be somebody that is uh, uh, an aging person in an independent living environment who's fallen and needs assistance getting up. Uh, it could be... Um, a variety of things. If somebody has a need in our community, they have a tendency to call the fire department to seek assistance. So we're, we're talking a couple of times a day on average. I mean, obviously some days are worse than others or more, more busier than others for you guys. Sure. Uh, just those kinds of calls. And then that's not even accounting the, the fires and the medical events that sort of either stem from or lead to these concerns. Right. We run about 7,000 emergency medical calls a year. 
Uh, and so when you look at the call volume that we have, uh, as Chief Eden was mentioning, we go out, we're assessing the homes and identifying things. Even if we're there for an unrelated emergency, we can test or identify situations where a family may have need. They may not have appropriate clothing for the, the environment or the season that we're in. They may not have enough food to be able to support their family. They may not have furniture or items to be able to support their existence. It may be a single uh, parent home. Uh, and so to be able to quantify those issues, it's difficult for us to do. But I can tell you that there are many examples of services that our members have provided. I think one of the challenges is how quickly we can get those services in place to support the family. Uh, I've seen situations where companies of firefighters have gone out, bought groceries, they have uh, purchased furniture for a home, beds, things like that to be able to help support a family in addition to being able to provide resources through some of the nonprofit organizations in the community. Well, let me let me ask this question because we we talked earlier about, you know, a playbook, a, a manual. How formal is the, I mean is are, when you when you respond to a call and you're doing your assessing and then you think about providing, is that just based on your anecdotal knowledge or is there is there a, a worksheet in in the captain's truck or the chief's truck that says, "Hey, here's services that are available"? I mean, what is that a tool that's missing? There is a social services handbook for the metro that is out there, and it's just putting the person with the right agency. I think is somewhat of a challenge. They may have multiple needs. And that's always difficult to assess. It's, tr it's trying to get them to somebody that can do that assessment and then get them to the services that are needed. Uh, we see that quite a bit. Um, and I think when we start to go on calls frequently, like let's say we've got somebody that frequently falls, it, they're trying to stay out of um, assisted living or residential care type facility or may not be able to get in. But those are the types of things that we see when we go on medical calls that gets referred to Assistant Chief Manley to be referred to Division of uh, Health and Senior Services. That's one way that we look at it. Um, it. But we talked about the citizen assist calls. That averages between 40 and 50 calls a month. And that's, that's kind of the kind of a gatekeeper kind of thing where we go out and we start seeing this more and more often. And, you know, are we really taking care or providing a service or are we seeing a bigger problem that needs needs to be assessed? Kind of on that same note of, of a playbook, there are positions in the department that, that do that assessing. Can you tell us a little bit about what those what that position is and maybe, maybe who they are, what they do, and, and, and is it effective? Well, I think right now when you look at the positions in the department, uh, my role as Assistant Chief of Training and Emergency Medical Services has the responsibility to be able to evaluate those trends in the organization. The challenge is, is that we have many competing priorities within the organization. There's a program called Community Paramedicine that uh, is now uh, a new trend in, in providing service delivery in communities across the country. Uh, we've been working to try and implement such a program within our department. We were able to provide training to a couple of our members so that they were able to become certified as community paramedics uh, in our uh, state, and then they can help to identify ways to address needs 
in the community. What does a community paramedic do? Well, a community paramedic basically analyzes uh, those at-risk populations in the community and those people that uh, are likely to have an impact on our service delivery by demand, people that are going to need emergency medical services uh, uh, historically in the past, present, and in the future. And then what we do is we try and mitigate or reduce that risk of those individuals needing to use our service through community or excuse me community education and then treatment of those individuals it may be a individual that's discharged from the hospital that isn't able to access the appropriate service level uh, once they get home within a 48-hour window what we can see is if they call 911 because they're not able to get into that system, all we can do as a fire department historically is transport that individual back to the hospital and the emergency department. So then there's uh, another impact on the emergency department, there's an impact on the fire department, and it's probably an inefficient fiscal uh, management as well because that individual, if they got the right resources uh, to help support them, they wouldn't need to go back into the hospital and incur that additional cost for care. So the community paramedics can help reduce that risk and uh, uh, impact in our community because they're able to help basically coordinate and access care for those individuals that they may not normally be able to access. When we talk about local needs, there is a regional resource that can put people in touch with services that they need or don't know that they need, and that's United Way 211. United Way 211 is a free confidential service that connects people to everyday needs that aren't quite 911 emergencies. Uh, if you need counseling, health clinic, job training, or food pantry, uh, that service is available through United Way 211. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for taking time to come. I, I know I personally have learned a lot. I mean, I, we try to pay attention to things, but I think the breadth of what uh, the fire department does in their response to the people in need is, is something that is very useful uh, to, to kind of say, look, we're not just here to uh, fire or touching an ambulance, but we're also assessing all of those needs. I think yeah, you guys have done a great job enlightening us on what you do. How that Thank you very much for having us. Ryan, I'm round. <laughs> I'm six foot. I'm 245 pounds. It ain't pretty. Mm. I haven't seen the inside of a gym since high school, so we're going to say 90s. We're going to say that once, and we don't have to say it ever again. Mm -hmm. You're going to start training me. You're going to start telling me to eat right. I'm scared, Ryan. Don't be scared. We got some work to do. We're gonna do work, Nick. But don't be scared. I don't want to do the work. I'm scared of the work. <laughs> you got to. You got. You do work at work, don't you? I do. You work your tail off at work, why don't you work your tail off on your body? Well, tell me why. Tell me why is it that I need to do this? I mean, I got my reasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna dog you out, Nick. I'm not gonna hurt your feelings. You're out of shape. You're probably borderline obese. I mean, you're probably going to have some health problems here soon, so you need to take control of your life and, and do it for your kids. Do it for your family. Uh, do it for yourself. You're going to if you you know, you're gonna get stronger and you're going to live longer. Let me tell you, this summer I was in the mountains. I was hiking. I remember a time, because my mind still thinks I'm 20 years old mm -hmm. and 150 pounds. Yep. I got winded. Absolutely. It was hard to hike up the mountain. 
altitude too, so you can't well, be too hard on yourself. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that, and I'm wanting your sympathy as as we get things going. Mm-hmm. But tell me, tell me a little bit about about what does somebody like me do who mm-hmm. sits at a desk ten hours a day? Mm-hmm. What does somebody like me need to be doing? You, you need to be getting up and moving. You need to get out of your desk and move around periodically throughout the day. I'm sure you run to the bathroom and run all around, but you need to get moving. You need to make working out a priority in your life. Whether you, If you get busy throughout the day, come in the morning, work out, just get it in uh, and start to eat healthy. Okay, the first time we came in here, I was busting you, busting you because you were eating Jimmy John's and you had a soda and you had chips. That's so good. Yeah, you can't be doing that anymore <laughs> because that's, where, that's how you got to where you're at. So, so you're going to be mean. Uh, no, I'm but I need somebody yeah. to do that. Yeah, it's gonna be tough love. I call it tough love. All right. Yeah, All right. I'm good with that. So, what? How can people like me though find you so they can get healthy too? Okay, you can contact me. You can go to the website. It's shred with two d's kc.com or give me a shout or a text 816-588-9609. We can sit down and talk about your goals. And even if you don't like my podcasts, listen anyway because you're probably gonna hear my journey as I try Absolutely. to get healthy again. It's gonna be awesome. 